0: This is Ashley Stone and you're listening to The Comeback Podcast. Um well, let's go ahead and just start at the beginning. I I'd love to hear, you know, th- what was your younger years like in the church and, you know, where where it kind of started.
1: All right. Well, I was actually raised by uh, a mom that was a member of the church and a dad that was not. And my mom, uh, for all of us kids, had us going to church and my dad wasn't a member, but she was a very strong member. So we stayed pretty close to the church. And I mean, she was the rock as far as spirituality came. And when I was little, I was kind of I don't know if I was the black sheep right from the start, but I stole my dad's beer and I smoked his cigarettes behind the tree. And I was kind of that one. My dad was like, to all my older brothers, where's my beer? And me at first grade. Going, ah, da, 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 da. And they're like, which one of you boys stole? Anyways. So it was this little first grader.
0: Oh my so, God. I have had
1: quite a go but that's not how my life, I mean, that was just a small time, and and really, I was raised so well, it was crazy, I was raised so good, my uh, dad actually passed away when I was nine, and so my mom remarried, and we lived in Idle Falls, and then we moved to Rigby, so I was nine years old in Rigby, and going to school there, even at home, I got baptized by my, one of the bar neighbors, and And I, even at the time, clear back then, I thought, you know what, there's something different about me. And I just had this attraction to my friends. And I was, I, you know, I literally was a gay boy that didn't want to be gay or know anything about it. So I literally dealt, this was clear back in 1970 something, I dealt with this is the worst thing ever. And, you know, I thought something's wrong with me for so, so long, most of my life, you know, growing up. So it was tough. It was really, really tough because all my uh, family, were into sports and I love sports. I just truly um, tried to follow my brother's footsteps and they were football players and basketball players and I was pretty fast, and I was you know I was pretty good in sports. But at the same time, I always had this this connection, same-sex attraction. And it was horrible because I thought I was such a horrible guy and horrible kid, and there was nobody to talk to. and And so I went through a lot of just really self-doubt of what is going on in my myself. and and it just continued on till I was a sophomore in high school and when I was a sophomore I actually had a an experience with the kid which just sent me backward and I was like oh I hate being gay being gay is the worst thing I can think of there's something wrong with me that is the worst you know in our church at that time there wasn't a lot of answers this was this was truly back in the day when you know we didn't know very much about it and uh so I was right in that middle of, I truly have something that's not right. So I continued on and I went through high school and played all the sports and tried to keep the, any gay thoughts out. And I, I went to seminary, but I got kicked out of seminary. There's just there's something off, but I always wanted to go on a mission. So I was going to go. I was like, you know what? I go on a mission, this gay stuff's gonna stop because that's what they told me. I won't be gay anymore if I can just go and I'll pray it away and it'll leave. I uh, went on a mission and it was funny. I went into the MTC, this is how much I knew. Go into the MTC, go to my first class and they go, hey, why don't you uh, turn to like first Nephi? So I'm flipping through the Bible and, everybody's waiting and I'm come on Nephi. Sure enough hey Todd uh, Elder McKinley uh you're in the wrong book that's kind of how I started so I get into the mission field and I'm like finally I'm here I'm going to I'm going to change my feelings will change because that's kind of what they told me you know that's what's going to happen so I had a wonderful trainer and uh our first uh, place that we went was actually to a fair. At this fair, we were trying to get, we were proselyting, but we had a booth and we were doing something with dirt and gold and I'm looking around and this kid comes up and looks at me and I look at him and I'm like, oh my gosh, what is happening? This dude is just so cute. So, and I'm like, this is horrible. I'm on my mission and this is happening to me. So, thank goodness he lived in Long Beach and I lived in Selma, California. That was my first area. And I was like, I cannot stay out of here. I can't stay out on this mission and not know that what I'm doing is true. So I said to my companion, I said, you know what? I've got to figure this out. I've got to figure out if the church is true. And he says, Well, I want you to go back into that room, into the closet. I want you to start praying. So I said, Okay, I will. And I'm back there, and I'm probably back there for an hour. And I'm just begging, begging to receive an answer. Is the church true? Is Joseph Smith a prophet? And I'm just there for probably another half hour and all of a sudden, it was almost like a, a light. This warm, unbelievable, like buttery light that hit my heart. And it was like it wasn't only was it true, it was extra true. It was the church is true. So now I have got what I wanted. I was able to finish out my mission uh, very good. I, In fact, I became an assistant to the president. Loved my mission. It was the best thing ever because I knew the church was true. I didn't have these uh, gay feelings and stuff out there. And if I did, I just pushed them behind. It's like, you know what? It's all right. And it, it just moves on. So I get home things are great. Um, I actually get a calling uh, to where I'm teaching in primary. Things are awesome. And and of course, you quit reading and you quit praying and you quit doing those things. And so you start looking around and you start, oh, you know, some of those stupid feelings are coming back. I'm like, what is going on? And I'm trying to date. and I'm like, These are the cutest girls because I'm not giving them the time of day except for a few minutes and they're all over the idea. And I'm like, man, I can't hardly wait to get out of this date. And it's just like, why again? I don't want to be gay. So I was like, well, I've just got to work through this. And so I would do things like, I was, a coach in uh, high school football I was a JV coach junior high coach coach my little brother I uh, actually became a cop and so I thought you know what all these manly whatever things that were happening was going to help me to to overcome this and I'm dating these girls and and I'm like um I don't know what's happening, man, but this is not working. I'm not feeling right about it. So of course um, things happen to where I start like looking at at guys and I'm just hating it. And I'm, I I just don't really know what to do, but I graduate from Rick's college. I go to ISU and uh, for whatever reason, of course, I meet another man. And that was the start of me coming out. And so I actually moved from Idaho Falls to the ZCMI in Salt Lake City. And now I'm a full-fledged gay man that has been going on some weekly trips and trying to, to go to different places and and find gay people and trying to live that, see what that lifestyle is about. And I uh, ended up of course, moving there. And I started to drink and do the things that most gay people do. And so I drank and I partied and I was having sexual relations and going to bars and really just enjoying what I knew to be the gay lifestyle finally. You know, like oh, I'm so gay, and so I, I continued on and and on, and of course, it always catches up to you. And the drinking and the the partying and the where you start needing it and you become addicted. And I uh, was actually in the hospital twice with acute pancreatitis because of drinking. I was doing I don't know how much coke a day but I became just a true piece of work and um, got me a boyfriend, thought that might help calm that down. He uh, cheated on me and I cheated on him and that's kind of the gay lifestyle at that time. I think it's probably kind of that way even now. And and I thought, you know what, I'm done with this life, I'm just done. And so I went and found a day a secluded um, place nice stuck a, a piece of uh, a pose from the back and to the front, closed up the window, and threw some cocaine out the out the window, and thought, you know what? This is the end. I'm done. Uh, now my my time has come. I just want to just leave, and go home. And um, all I did is I woke up and I had black in my nose and in my ears and in my, every part of my body was just black. And I'm like, oh my heavens, I can't even kill myself. So I'm now sicker than a dog. And I'm like, oh, this is just horrible. And and I'm still here. And so I kind of pick up my life again and and continually do the same things and I ended up actually buying, uh, not buying, I I actually was um, uh, a manager of our first bar and then I ended up buying um, or being involved in two more bars. So now I was in the bar business, which is probably the worst thing that a alcoholic and someone like me could do, but of course I did it. and Did that probably for the next, um, gosh 10 years and it just it was amazing to me I always thought you know I would be dead and, and I had three roommates that literally killed themselves and it just was a common thing to do back then and, and we just didn't know how to handle our problems and and I had this suicide pact with one of my best friends and and he committed suicide, and I was like, no, it's not time for me. I've, I'm, I'm not going to do it yet. And so I was like, oh, my, this is just um, just a horrible, horrible thing. And my life became to the point of I was literally living week to week to where it's like, you know, it doesn't really matter what I do this week. Because next week I'm going to be dead, and so I lived my way to, you know what? And I tried a couple. I tried some pills to overdose on, and I just it, that didn't work. I tried uh, one more time with uh, the exhaust, and whether well, I thought, you know what, my BMW must have some really good exhaust because it sure doesn't kill me very good. So I just like this 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 life was so bad that I was. I was this was the time of where AIDS was so prevalent and so you were always trying to watch yourself and and watch others and know that there was chances you might get something and I at one time I actually got uh, hepatitis and I thought you know what I'm gonna die of AIDS and I thought that's that's good and so I I waited for this sickness to come on and it never came on and I'm like, well, you know what? Then I'm going to just, you know, sleep with this guy that has AIDS because, then I'll be gone. Of course, that didn't work. I literally was living day to day, like, what is my next move? I just want to be out of this life. And about that time, that this was about 2008, and the financial crisis was going on, and um, uh, the bars weren't doing too well. The country wasn't doing too well, and my mom called and said that she, uh, that my stepfather had fell on her and that he was going to go to assisted living and she was in the hospital and she wanted me to come home. And I thought, oh gosh, okay, Uh, you know, what else? I might as well try and come home, and it took me a bit actually to get home because I was so I'm so addicted to everything. I'm so addicted to to alcohol and drugs, and I just didn't know quite how that was going to work. And and anyways, I make it home. Every weekend, I would uh, come back to Salt Lake and party because I just, it was still in my body and my soul, and, and that was what I was going to do. I, in 2010, I drove I think it was just after Christmas. And I decided I'd start drinking. Uh, Just, I was going down to party and I got a DUI. And um, I was a mess. I was a mess and thank goodness I got pulled over. I can't remember lots about it, except that I was in jail. And because I was a cop, I remember I had another DUI that was earlier and I was like, you know what, just don't blow. Don't blow, don't blow and everything will be better. They might take your license, but I, was, I knew this because I was a cop. Well, I didn't know they changed the law. So they changed the law. So if you, they could actually get a court order and take your blood. So I'm in jail and all the jailers are coming up going, you know what? Uh, we're going to come and take your blood. We got a court order. I said, no, you're not. I had a fight with them. And anyways, they got away with my blood. So I'm like, "Oh no, I'm now really screwed. I am just it's done. It's a done deal. I am I don't even know what's going to happen now because I'd have to have a, a a breathalyzer in my car. I knew I'd have to have jail time. I knew that that there would be a lot of things that would happen. It wasn't, you know, I'd been charged with that DUIs before. So it didn't look too good for me. And so I I went home and I thought, you know what? I really am gonna kill myself this time, and I'm gonna use a gun. So I go into my uh, stepfather's guns, pulled out a gun, got really drunk, said, you know what? This is done. I'm I'm over this this life. And I went outside, put a uh, bullet in the chamber and I shot it against the fence just to make sure it worked. And uh, ejected the bullet, put another bullet in, put it straight to my head and shot, and it didn't go off. Mm. Are you kidding me? So I ejected this bullet like, did I have one in? And it flies out. I put another bullet in, and I shoot against the the fence again and it goes off. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? And I just sat and I bawled and I cried and I cried. And I'm like, why, why do I have to go through this? I hate this being gay. I hate everything about the church. My mom says, hey, maybe you ought to go to church. And I said, you know what? You ever asked me to go to church again? And I will never go to church. I promise you. And she never did again. But what a wonderful mother. She was the most unbelievable, loving mom. And, uh, and I had the most unbelievable, loving family that, that has been by my side as a gay person and as an addict So I was pretty lucky that that I had my mom and she took a bunch of my crap and so my my next fail of of suicide didn't work and. And I was like well. um, I went back to work and and life was pretty bad and and I still had these addictions. I said. My buddy, Brian, that I I told you about earlier, says, hey, why don't you come to an addiction recovery program and you can just tell people how you got over drinking? Well, he didn't realize that I was still drinking. But I said, "Okay, I'll come and I'll I'll lie to him and tell him how good I've been and this and that. And so I went and uh, this addiction recovery program was the first time I'd actually felt the spirit again, in some way, shape or form. And I'm like, wow, this is, that's pretty cool. And left and, and I would go periodically. I still of course had addictions to where I was uh, drinking and watching porn. And, and I, the one thing that um, I didn't do is, is uh, do drugs or go back to Salt Lake City. So I was getting farther ahead and I was then asked, he says, hey, Todd, uh, can you, uh, or do you want to come? And my son has a, um, he's getting off his mission and they're having his uh, welcome home talk. And I said, you know, I haven't been to church in 15 years. I said, but you know what, I'll show up. So I go to this, Welcome home. And I was late, of course, and I sit on the back of this the chapel. Actually, it was in the gym. There was that many people, but I was on the back row. And he started to talk and all these feelings of the mission and the spirit. The spirit came back and just overwhelmed me. And I'm sitting and I'm bawling on the back road i'm like are you freaking kidding me and i am just wiping tears and this is nuts that i am so so emotional over this and i just it hit me so hard and i was like oh my gosh it's the spirit again the lord loves me he he's giving me something he he saved me he's done these things for me and now I felt that same spirit that I had in the mission field. So it was the start. It was the start of something good. And I, from that time, I uh, had then gone back in April, I was supposed to go see the judge about my DUI. So I end up on my birthday, April 19th, go in and I, my uh, lawyer, Uh, is there that used to be my lawyer when I was in the bar business. He goes, well, let's take a look at this DVD and just see how this this DUI worked out for you. See what you did. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be awful. So we're putting in this DVD so we can watch it. And it's not working. And I'm like, you know, we'll fix it. I mean, I'm kind of embarrassed. I know this is going to be bad. So he kept working on it and working on it. He goes, Okay, I'm going to tell the prosecutor it doesn't work, but I'm going to go get your blood alcohol limit and we're going to just see where this goes. So he leaves and he uh, goes to the prosecutor and goes, You know, we need to get the blood alcohol limit uh, for Todd and decide what we're going to do. And uh, the prosecutor says, we don't have it we lost it now we can reschedule or you guys can take a less something less dui to where you just have to uh pay a fine do some uh community service and go to an alcohol class wow and my my uh lawyer was like what Uh, uh, yeah." yeah Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I've never seen this. This is crazy, Todd. I my mom had driven me to this uh, court hearing. First thing she says, "This is a miracle, Todd." I went, "Oh my gosh!" I know what a crazy. The Lord is looking out for me. He wants me to live. He wants me to to be able to help others. And so this was the beginning of me trying to to get sober. so i I never went back to Salt Lake after that point. And so that that took out the idea of of drugs. And I got over the drinking part through some just between my mom and me and And I never had a smoking problem, so that wasn't a big deal. and uh, I probably was working on this now for a, probably a year and a half, and, and I, I uh, started to recognize and, and see some things about pioneers. I'm like, oh, the pioneer stories and blah, blah, blah. So I actually picked up this book at uh, Deseret Book, The Undaunted by Gerald Lund. And it was a book that is just amazing. It was a uh, story of a young. Boy that became a member of the church. He started in London. But it was a it was a uh, a pioneer type story to where these people sacrificed, died, and just you've seen 17 miracles. And I just balled my eyes out. Just like, oh my have, that, that been nothing through nothing comparative to these people that were our pioneers that actually believe so strongly in the church, they give their lives and be and freeze. And I'm like going, what that is just crazy and my testimony just continued to grow so kept doing this same thing and I started to go to church and and it was really odd because people I treated me really weird but I didn't care because I knew the church was true or or I wanted it to be exactly how it was and so I didn't I mean I just kept going and and I was at work and my stake president (laughs) lives down the street Comes in, I go, hey, I've, I've got a, I want to talk to you sometime if you have a chance, maybe. Yeah, please, please come in. That was one year. A year later, comes back in, hey, uh, uh, steak president, I seriously, I probably, I need to talk to you sometime. Oh yeah, well. He comes back the next month. Hey, Steak can he put his arm around my neck? And he goes, you come in this Tuesday because they're going to release me by the end of this year. So you get in here. And that's when things started to change. And I was able to understand the atonement and to have this opportunity to express myself. And I said, well, just so you know, state president, I'm gay. And he goes, so what? So what, and what, what do you mean, so what? He says, you know, you can be gay. You can be gay, you can be in the church. You can get a temple recommend, you can have a calling. Are you wearing your garments? I said, no, get some garments. Like, oh my goodness. I said, oh, I can be gay and I can be in the church? oh, this, just, this is like an answer to a prayer that I, I didn't, I just didn't plan on it because I wanted, you know, well, if I was gay, oh, well, blah, 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 blah. So the gay part was never even really an issue. It was, you know what? Let's talk about your addictions. Let's get over those. Let's talk about your... Drinking and your drugs and your sex that you had and blah, blah, blah. And he says, I pretty much got the picture. And so I just kept watching or kept going to him for every week for a while. Sometimes every two weeks. um, And I'm not sure how long. But finally, he says, you know what? It's time for you to have a uh, counsel. It's time to have an obedience counsel. He says, you're going to probably be excommunicated. Or you're going to be disfellowshipped. I don't know, exactly. But we'll see. I said, hey, I'm all good. I don't care if I'm disfellowshipped or excommunicated, I'm ready. So go into disobedience counsel. Tell them my story. The love that these, these brothers had. How they treated this sinner, how they treated this gay man. was probably the most spiritual experience I've had up to. I and mean, I've had some big ones. These people love me. This is the atonement. This is how it works. The Lord is going to bless me and he's blessed me. And the Lord is continually blessing me. And the Lord is forgiving me. To the state president, I said, how can... You just forgive someone like me for these things that I've done. And he says, Todd, you've got to understand the atonement. He says, you've got to start forgiving yourself. You've got to forgive yourself. You've got to understand that you can't do it yourself. These addictions, you have to understand that you can't pray away things. You can't say, hey, please take this addiction away. You've got to work at it. The Lord wants you to do your part. The Lord wants you to put forth effort. Strive, Todd. Trust in the Lord, Todd. That is what the Lord wants you to do. He wants everyone to do. He says, this is what we're here for, is to learn and to grow and to continually strive and to move forward. He says, so I... Today, I'm going to give you a temple recommend, and you're going to be in the addiction recovery program.
0: Oh, my! So I
1: started right off in the addiction recovery program, and that was now eight years ago, and I'm still doing.
0: Oh, my gosh. That is, I just got the chills. That is so cool. I, I was a facilitator in the addiction recovery program for a while, and it's so amazing. Yeah. So
1: it's, uh, it. It yeah, well, you know everything. It is it is the, you know, the Lord knew that we would be facing these times. The Lord knew that pornography uh, for these kids. I'm actually up to BYUI now uh, every, every <clears throat> Sunday. And uh, it, it's just crazy cool. But, you know, just the atonement. The atonement is there for every sinner the atonement is there for a gay man the atonement is there for addictions the atonement is there for everyone to come and partake of and to take the lord's hand and to become part of what he is and and now as a gay man i just i don't have the you know this over i'm definitely gay but i don't have this overwhelming feeling for the last 10 years that i have to do something i need someone. Yes, there's a lot to be done still uh, that we have got to figure out, and and we are figuring it out, and people are getting better, but the atonement is the key. It's the, it's the greatest thing that we could ever, ever use, and uh, we're, as people in the church, are not using it right and, and letting, giving ourselves a break and, and uh, knowing that if we fail, we need to repent and move on and, and just continue, and let the Lord bless us.
0: So tell me what you, I mean, I think that one of the biggest reasons why people struggle with um, either staying in the church or coming back to the church is around the LGBT community issues, and how like, I was just barely talking to my brother about this a couple of weeks ago. And he's just like, I just don't understand why, you know, like how, like, what, like, what's the plan? And and it's a very confusing place to be. And so what advice would you have for somebody that is gay, and they're in the church, and maybe they want to leave because they don't feel like there's a place for them, or, you know, or people that aren't gay, but they still struggle with, You know the church, and you know what. What advice would you have?
1: Well, the same sex attraction, of course. The church has has come so far as it as it tries to figure out what to do. I know uh, this is what I do know, and and maybe this is even should be another podcast. But this is what I know as a gay man, and as a man that had bars for years and watched people come and go and my best friends are gay and married and what their lives are like. And the gay lifestyle is so horrible in the sense of drinking, drugs. What are you gonna do tonight? I'm gonna go to the bar. What are you gonna do tonight? I'm gonna drink tonight. What are you gonna do tonight? There's nothing but drinking and and just, from my life this is this is what it was and I'm like it doesn't matter if you're a member of the church or not a member of the church the gay lifestyle is a lifestyle that is not positive positive. and if I had it to do to do over again um I would get married I would literally get married because true happiness is family and I I met these people, I was set up with these people that were actually very pro-gay. Um, he was a state president and he says, you know, what? what's happening with, why would you stay in the church and blah, blah, blah. And I said, do you understand what it is to be gay and to what lives these have? The people that are happiest being gay are only in my in my circle. They have enough money so they can adopt or they've been in a marriage to where they have children. I said, people that do not have children and don't have family, guess what? They are very sad, sad people and don't have the church. And, I, and he said, oh yeah. And I said, do you have anybody that you know that's happy that's not got kids? And he goes, mm, no, I don't. I said, this is what, this, the, the gay lifestyle. We have been given something that is a challenge that we've got to work through. And who knows what that means exactly, except what it means is the Savior is there, whether, no matter what you do, you don't fall away because of it. What you're falling away from, there's not something better. God is there still to save and love you and be there for you uh everyone's going to go on their own path but but my path if I had it to do over which is a whole nother book and whole nother thing is is literally you know I would I would definitely try and have a family and the difference between now and then is now we can be gay I can be gay and go you know what I'm gay will you marry me and she'll go yeah, oh, yeah absolutely comparative to I'm not gay but I am gay and now I'm going to cheat on you. You know, that we used to be what it is. And I had a kid working for me and I said, you know what, I'm gonna tell you something, I'm gay and I know that you are. And I said, let me give you some advice. I said, so I, I would do, I would actually find somebody, you know, most, most guys, their best friends are girls. There's a girl out there that would love to marry you. And sure enough, this past year, he got married and has a child and is gay. And it is the most wonderful, wonderful thing that I've that I've I've watched and so it's it's so tough you know the the biggest thing is is the gospel living the gospel doing what's right treating people right quit judging this brings happiness helping people you know that's the bottom line to happiness all this other stuff is not happy happiness is actually giving back and helping and that's why I'm so blessed to be in the addiction recovery program. That's so why I'm blessed. I'm actually blessed to be gay so I can actually say the things that I'm saying now because of knowledge, because of knowing. And maybe sometimes somebody will listen to me and go, you know what? He's right. This life does suck. I really do need to find somebody to marry. So that's probably, and a lot of people go, oh, who is that dude? What, you know, but I'm not talking to those dudes. I'm talking to those dudes that want to stay in the church. Mm -hmm.
0: yeah I think that there's I mean everybody online has an opinion and I'm sure that when we post this video on YouTube there's going to be a lot of people that have a lot of opinions and but the thing that's really cool about this is that you are speaking from your own experience and when somebody's sharing their own personal experience it's like this is your experience. How can you argue that experience? And you can't, you can't argue somebody's personal experience that they've had in their life. And so I think this message is so important and people, they really truly need to hear it. And I don't know, I just, I'm, thank you so much for being willing to share your story. It is so powerful and amazing. And I just think about you know all those experiences you had where you tried to end your life and it didn't work, and all the lives that you're helping now, and how incredible it is that you survived and you're here and you're telling your story, and it's so amazing and what a gift and i I just think you know I was telling my my mom this that you know because I was a heroin addict for a long time and I think, you know, that was the, that was a really dark, awful time, but now it's a gift. That experience is a gift because now I can share it with other people and give them hope. And it's the same with your experiences. It's like, you've been through all this stuff and, you know, and God will work all things to the good of those who love him. And that is what he's done in your life. And I, I just, your story is so incredible. And I hope that everybody who needs to hear it will hear it. Oh, so.
1: I hope so. I, I just, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much because you know what? You're a game changer for all of us <laughs> to give us a, a place to actually talk. And and, and just thank you for, for your kindness. Just thank you.
0: Yeah, well, thank you so much. Any final thoughts before we before we wrap up?
1: You know, as I as I go to my addiction recovery meetings, it's, it's basically the same, same, same. Just keep striving, keep trying, don't quit. The Lord is waiting to bless you. The Lord is waiting for you to put your hand out so he can grab it and help you. And once we figure that out, then we can start trusting in the Lord and understand that he's always there for us always through all this bad, he can't wait to bless us, but we have to ask. Mm -hmm.
0: I love that. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, guys. First off, I want to give you a heartfelt thank you to all of you that support the podcast. We wouldn't be able to get this message out without all of your help, so thank you so much. I've had a few questions come in from people that aren't on social media, so I just wanted to let you guys know that we do have a website. It's www.comebackpodcast.org. You can find all of our episodes here. Um, There's a list of our book club selections, and you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks again. We love you guys so much.